0: The Legendarium podcast is brought to you by, by you. So please visit com slash Legendarium to, to support, support the show. But for now, welcome,
1: welcome to, to the Legendarium.
2: Legendarium. Oh, he's very important, but we don't know the full right. shape of why yet.
1: That sounds like a movie that's going to win a future Oscar. The full shape of why. Ooh. Yeah. Okay, go on, Ryan. (laughs) Welcome everybody. Welcome to episode number 295 of the Legendarian Podcast. Ryan,
0: 295. I know, we're approaching 300, which is about 270 more than we ever thought we'd do. Isn't that the truth? (laughs)
1: So if you've been with us for a long time, thank you so much uh, for hanging with us. I recently actually, Ryan, got a message from somebody uh, on Instagram where people can follow us and where I occasionally do things. Um, And they said that they had been
0: with us, I'm not kidding, since episode four. I saw saw them, that message, I think on Instagram. Yeah,
1: yeah. No, I, I followed up. I was like, I was like, "Are you serious?" Episode four, and they're like, "Yeah, no, for real." That was, they, they've been listening to us for over six years.
0: Man, that's that is some serious commitment and possibly need of commitment. So, <laughs> <laughs> well done. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so
1: today's episode, we're talking about the fifth season again. So, if you have not. Uh, listen to our first episode of the fifth season. I would encourage you to go back and do so. Uh, I'm going to do, you know, the, the whole the insults and the the recap and all the regular stuff in that episode. In this one, we're coming back to it just because there are a few uh, items of unfinished business. I am Craig Hanks, your host. I've already talked with Ryan over there. Hi, Ryan. Hello, everyone. And Sarah, my lovely wife, returns.
2: Hello. Thanks for having me.
1: Well, you know, it's your fault that we're here in the first place. I, so, of I course, know. we're going to have you. I feel that
2: responsibility in a big way.
1: <laughs> so, uh, before we get started talking about the fifth season, uh, I just want to remind everybody to go to patreon.com slash legendarium to support the show. And I wanted to send a heartfelt thank you to those who have done so. Uh, It's been been a heck of a year so far. And there are a shocking number of you who have supported us financially throughout all of this uh, crazy year. So thank you. Thank you so much for doing that. And if you want to come hang out with us, then you can do so on Discord. And if you don't know what that is because I'm sure there are plenty of people out there who have never used Discord before, then shoot me a message on any other social media platform. You can find us on Instagram, like I said, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Reddit, probably something I'm missing. Imsi. Uh, uh, I was going to say MZ. In, yeah. oh
0: my God. Do you remember
1: when that was a thing?
2: Yes, I still have MZ t-shirts.
1: Yeah, I know. Me too. Oh, man. So no, just kidding. You can't find us there. It doesn't exist anymore. Um, anyway, but yeah, let me know and I will send you an, uh, a link to our discord server then you can join there and there is a lot of discussion ryan did you know we passed 500 discord members oh wow no i did not yeah it's like you know it's like 2,000 on uh, facebook and 2 2100 on reddit or whatever and this tiny little thing discord that barely anybody's heard of 500 members already so and a lot of them are are pretty actively engaged
0: yeah that's i i hop on a discord a lot of times just as a voyeur, that's really, I know it's awkward to put it that way, but... I, 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 <laughs> it, it is, so thank you for doing that. Uh, I watch conversations every now and then, I'll interject, and I, I've been very appreciative of having that uh, that environment and watching some of the conversations. Uh, you people amaze me with your knowledge and uh, with actually the way you support one another. You know, little things like, I know we have some people who post you know, what they're grateful for and things like that. So it's, it is a rare positive light in... A otherwise dark and dreary web. (laughs) That
1: is accurate. (laughs) All right. So now that we have gotten a lot of that stuff out of the way, I I, but all of it was in sincerity. I do hope to see you there and and I hope that you'll support us on on Patreon. Let's go ahead and get started uh talking or get restarted, I guess, talking about the fifth season. And uh Sarah, because it's your fault that we're here, I'm gonna kick it to you first. What what is the thing? that at the end of the last episode, when you said, oh, I didn't even get to talk about X, what is X? What do we want to start with?
2: Environmentalism, I would say. That that was the thing that stood out to me the most as I was reading the book and that I'm most curious to see how it develops in the sequels. Do you,
1: do you mean environmentalism with a lowercase e or a capital e?
2: Why don't you go ahead and explain the difference, Craig? <laughs> what? <laughs> what is that? What? I just said it, so I didn't capitalize anything.
1: Well, no, so what I mean is... Um, You know, with with a lot of terms like that, if it's a lowercase e environmentalism, that just means ideas pertaining to the environment, whatever that could mean in the context of the story or in the real world, whatever capital E environmentalism in my mind, it, it calls to mind something like, you know, the political movement surrounding environmental sure. issues uh, sure. you know, and and uh, Greenpeace or tree huggers or whatever. I, I don't know. Whatever.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Clearly you're very informed. I'm, I am. Awesome.
1: A, I, I'm actually a member of many of those organizations. Oh, yeah. Obviously. We can't
2: stop the mailings coming through our, through our uh, mailbox. <laughs> but no, I, I don't know if it's capitalized or not. I think that might remain to be seen with the sequels. You know, whether the points that seem to be really important in the fifth season get complicated going forward. I, I don't know, but certainly there's, there's this underlying, the, the basis of the novel is we live in this world that has been physically ravaged. The well, I mean, it's landscape. called
1: the broken earth trilogy, right? Right.
2: It, it's, it's broke. It is broken. And going there are so many, um, so many passages in the book that are really, that, that really touch on that. And anyway, it was just a a very, thought-provoking aspect of the book for me. And so, I was a little disappointed we didn't get to talk about it the first time around and maybe maybe we'll get to examine it a little more right now.
1: Well, yeah, go ahead. What do you <laughs> So what do you want to examine? What do you want to explore with this issue?
2: Well, one thing we could talk about, I guess, is this this idea of Father Earth. She talks a lot about Father Earth, and that was striking to me given that we come from uh, culture where Mother Earth is the standard, uh-huh. and there are a few references in the book when it talks about you know there was a mother once, but it's just, but we don't know what happened to her, and so I wonder did that stand out to to you all, and did you do you make anything of it?
0: It it did uh, a little bit to me, and I for me I realized that I believe that decision was made because of the fact that the Earth is vengeful and angry. And the shift in tone there where that is tends to be more of the, a masculine trait. Mm-hmm. And if a society, you know, give it time or whatever, goes through something uh, huge upheaval like, the, like they do in this, in this story, and they start talking about their creative force, and in the past it's been Mother Earth, well, now that it's angry, maybe it shifts a little bit to, you know, this angry Father Earth type thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It makes a chan- it's a chance for the author to be, first of all, to catch your ear, or your eye depending sure. on whether you're reading or listening uh with that because it's going to stand out to you and then make you think for a minute okay well why is it why is it this instead of mother earth and what are the big differences between the two and it's it's the anger it's the violence it's the des- the desire to destroy these little creatures that are on father earth who have damaged the earth
1: that's <laughs> so interesting I, I mean as long as we're gendering things i'll join this party um It it reminds me when you're talking about that, it reminds me of I think it was George Orwell who talked about um, the way that fascism operated in Europe uh, back in the 30s and 40s and the way that he foresaw if it ever happened in America, the the differences in how it would be. And he saw it as more of a maternal thing in America where you're not going to have a boot stamping on your face for eternity, but it would be more like. The mother's embrace smothering you to death, you know, mm. like oh. if that makes sense. And so he 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 coined the term liberal fascism where it's you're, you're being oppressed by kindness in a way, you know, cool. um, anyway. But it just reminded me of that. Not that that has anything necessarily to do with this book, but uh, kind of that issue of what does it mean to. You have a Mother Earth, and that's what we're used to talking about. This this thing that nurtures us and and builds us up, and we're
2: like living within her, like within right. her womb, essentially. Right. Uh,
1: versus Father Earth, where um, if if we stick with that kind of um, that kind of uh, gendered language or that traditional gendering, then yeah, it, it calls to mind more of a violent or. Um, And I don't even necessarily use that word negatively, but, you know, because men are typically more violent historically. So
0: I think it's fair to say that. There's a track (laughs) record that backs your statement.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I feel comfortable saying that.
2: Um, It's really interesting that you would bring up fascism because one of the things I wanted to talk about in this whole realm of, like, the environmental messages Mm -hmm. of the book was actually eco-fascism. Okay. Which is essentially the idea that, like, humans... Uh, like humans versus earth i think and and if you're looking at it from an environmentalist standpoint you're saying humans are the problem um we are the
0: virus
2: (laughs) exactly i was just gonna say it came up a lot especially at the beginning of of covid like really taking off around the world a lot of people were saying either tongue-in-cheek or very you know sincerely like humans are the virus if you start to see you know humans staying home more like factories you know Shutting down for a while in China. Like, look how clean the air is. You know, dolphins returning to the, oh, leave, man. which wasn't even true. The dolphins thing, but
0: what? He, no, was that that, was, yeah, it, it takes was on my heart. <laughs> <laughs> I was holding on to that this year. you one ray of
2: hope. Oh no, I'm so sorry.
0: Uh, Deep faked again. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Those dolphins. <laughs> and so, like that, but that seems to be very, very much the message that undergirds a lot of the story in the fifth season there was a passage that really spelled it out that i wanted to read um according to legend father earth did not originally hate life in fact as the lorists tell it once upon a time earth did everything he could to facilitate the strange emergence of life on his surface he crafted even predictable seasons "'kept changes of wind and wave and temperature "'slow enough that every living being could adapt, evolve, Summoned waters that purified themselves, "'skies that always cleared after a storm. "'He did not create life, that was happenstance, "'but he was pleased and fascinated by it "'and proud to nurture such strange wild beauty "'upon his surface. "'Then people began to do horrible things to Father Earth. "'They poisoned waters beyond even his ability to cleanse "'and killed much of the other life "'that lived on his surface.' they drilled through the crust of his skin past the blood of his mantle to get at the sweet marrow of his bones. And at the height of human hubris and might, it was the origins who did something that even earth could not forgive. They destroyed his only child.
1: Okay. So spoiler alert. That's the whole moon thing, right? Okay. So that's interesting. So in this, um, in this mythology, It wasn't that it used to be Mother Earth and then it changed. Right. But it was always Father Earth, at least according to these people.
2: At least according to that passage, there is another part where it it says, and I don't know if this happens more than once because I only wrote it down once in my notes, but it does say like there was a Mother Earth, but nobody knows what happened to her. And I think there's another reference where it talks about Father Earth being lonely. But yeah, that doesn't seem to be like... There doesn't seem to be a clear story of like Mother Earth and then Father Earth took over, you know, not not that's presented in the narrative, at least.
1: She doesn't seem like the kind of author who would make that super (laughs) duper clear. Yeah. At least in book one. I, I guess we'll see.
0: Right. I don't really feel I just this might seem a little off. We don't have a source for the origin magic. No, there's no or- origin story. Origin for the origin.
1: Thank you. You're welcome. Yes.
0: Because yeah. <laughs> that's, as you were talking about that and talking about the whole concept of man versus the earth versus father earth and everything, um, in a very literal sense, the magic system is them fighting against earth's actions to right. destroy them. Yeah. It's, it's very literal um, in this sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of got me thinking about, well, do we know... Where that came from? Is this one of those story pieces where you know they they were working together and then things fell apart? Um, I just couldn't remember off the top of my head if we had that or not. Um, so yeah,
2: I it, it does bring up the question of like you know assuming that this story is true accord and and according to their worldview it is you know it mm. is true that this is this is what Father Earth did like that it started out with a peaceful supportive existence and then it all went to hell and it makes you wonder like well if father earth was so supportive and kept everything in such you know consistent patterns that would would help everybody live and thrive why would the origins have even had anything to do like why would they have even had you know earthquakes to to deal with or volcanic activity to have to respond to like who started it who, mm-hmm. who was the first one to to like to strike a to, blow yeah exactly I don't know interesting
1: I don't know <laughs> I I don't know and I guess we'll see and that's the the beauty of of a book one out mm-hmm. of three is mm-hmm. that yeah there's presumably there will be some answers I don't know if we'll ever get an origin story right um but uh but maybe we will yeah and it's nice to look forward to. I've held off on reading book two until we were able to sit down and yeah, have same. this discussion. So so I don't know.
2: Right. I did not want to get muddled between where the cutoff was between <laughs> one and two. I am not practiced at that.
1: So. But as soon as we're done here tonight, I'm sure it'll be
0: a, a mad dash. So <laughs> we've got a lot to read. Yeah. So I have a question for the two of you here. Okay. Because I have, I have read ahead. Right. Um, obviously, we've talked about that. I, Father Earth, the way that we generally speak about Mother Earth us currently, mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of this myth. This exi- like we're not saying that she's a physical being sitting up in Antarctica or anything right. like necessarily. We're, we're, persona- we're personifying personifying yes. the Earth. Yeah. Yes. Father Earth, same or actual character? Mm. Oof. I don't know.
1: I, it feels the same. It feels like they're talking about it the same way that we talk about Mother Earth.
2: I think I I would disagree. I think just based on gut instinct, because the the um, the scripture that they have essentially, I don't think stone it's lore. like right stone lore. I don't think it's a father Earth mother Earth equi- equivocation. I think it's more like a father Earth God equivocation.
1: And wait generally- wait it was a, what what what.
2: I think they, the, you know, the society that we read about in the fifth season thinks about Father Earth the way a lot of, you know, religious people think of God, not as a metaphor, but as a literal being or a literal force. Right. And I, and the reason I would think that is because they do have all this mythology. um, Well, they wouldn't even call it mythology, I guess. They they have this, these sacred texts that talk about Father Earth and...
1: Sacred texts, which... This might send us on a tangent, so we can come back to this. Let, but hey, which
2: tangent away
1: have been changed apparently? Right. Yes. Right. And this is one of the things that uh, Alabaster kind of lectures Cyanite about. Through, I, if I'm recalling correctly, it, he's I the mean, one that that ahead. says essentially, "No, you. That's not what it." used to say i saw this tablet of stone lore mm. in another place and mm-hmm. and it was you know it's clear that somewhere along the line it got changed and the fulcrum is lying to us sure. et, cetera, et cetera. he he definitely seems the most fulcrum bitter oh uh, yeah uh in the whole story so I, i'm pretty sure that was him mm-hmm. anyway uh shades of uh shades of ruin
0: right ryan
1: sorry we're not going to get into brandon sanderson stuff here but it reminded me of that a
0: little bit as i was reading yeah, yeah yeah I just remember when I was going through, I kept waiting for the Wizard of Oz moment where man behind the curtain where father Earth is there is a there's a man or a force in me because I agree it felt too much like the way that they viewed him it would be too easy for it to be not too easy, but it would i think it would be likely for it to be a physical presence a a cabal or something mm-hmm. like this is Father Earth or the fulcrum. Has been has instigated a Father Earth version that they control or whatever. Like hmm. I kept going through those. I'm like, so is this religion or is this character? Like, what what would it be? Because to them, it's re, it's religion. I, I don't know. It's but for us as the readers, how do we treat this this? So figure? we're
1: thinking of it. We definitely come at this story from a, uh, a Western Christian perspective, and so when we think about, well, is it a, is it a character or is it you know? So, a, mother earth guy whatever this the personification of the earth whatever and i would just throw out there that that's from our perspective that's two different things but that wouldn't necessarily be be the case right you know i'm thinking now of uh of ancient norse cultures where their gods were very personality driven you know Mm -hmm. these were very literal beings to them uh, that had you know, that had yeah. definite personalities and and actions that they took and whatnot, whereas in our kind of modern understanding of Christianity, at least, it's uh, it's very much, for, for most people, I think, uh, it's, oh, yeah, there, there's some force in the sky that kind of uh, maybe directs things, probably not, I, I don't know, it kind of just hangs out. I, well, uh, I, but but that's not the way it was for my most cultures. Yeah, I, I, Lots think, of cultures. I think
2: you're right. My understanding. And it's honestly like it's hard to even find words for because it is it's so hard to change your worldview enough to I understand that another culture would have a fundamentally different worldview, like a different way of thinking about deity or time or any of that. But my understanding is what you're talking about, that like there wasn't this distinction or this division between like myth and reality like right. story and what is actually true but i get the feeling from the way that this culture is portrayed that it's it's much more it, it's it's further along in its development and that's not to say it's superior but it's further along in its development because then than then like the ancient the Norse Vikings. cultures that you're kind of bringing up as an example just because they do have like <laughs> criticisms of power and like This like all these they have universities and they have like local governments and political machinations and everything like it just doesn't
0: machinations (laughs) okay all right sorry you stepped into that one oh
2: my gosh I didn't even know that's it's a thing it's it's a thing
1: around here you can't say that well I'm happy to have helped
2: (laughs) so it just doesn't seem to me like that's the kind of world we're talking about I think there there's in this world I could see there being atheists you know what I mean like oh he,
1: father earth doesn't exist he,
2: father earth doesn't exist or it's just a story you're telling yourself even if you're pretending to to believe in order to like fit in or whatever mm-hmm. I don't know that that's that's my take at least.
1: okay all right so Ryan did you have anything else on that subject or should we move on to no, another we can one?
0: move move on to the next
1: Because the one, I can't remember if I said this while the microphones were live on the last episode, but I think it was after it was shut off and we were like, oh, we didn't talk about this. We didn't talk about that. And I slapped my knee and said, we didn't even get to the freaking node maintainers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, oh boy. All right. So this was a thing that in my first read through, I got up to that point. And I was, on my first read through, I was a little bit story lost. Uh, And I I wasn't, I I wasn't emotionally invested at that point. And so when I got there, I was like, oh, wow, that's horrible. If I understand what I'm reading correctly, but uh, okay. And then it moved on and I kind of got distracted and had to go back the second time. The second time I got to it, who boy, uh, it was, it was rough. Yeah. Uh, So I, because we didn't talk about this last time, Ryan, will you
0: explain what node maintainers are? So basically, throughout the 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 world, there are these handful of places that the job of that node is to help quell the shakes, to deal with everything on it, just so that other people don't have to worry about it. the the stills. Yeah, the, stills, the stills. Yeah, the, so they don't have to worry about it. There's someone there. You don't have to have keep track of the origins quite to the same level, and no one really knows what the node maintainers are. All there is, they're just this place the, where the fulcrum sends people out to to make mm, sure that it's all that it's all handled. And then when we go to a node uh, in this story, um, we discover that it is basically a child who has been hooked up to a machine to run. Because we have, we've learned earlier that even as a, a very young child, your natural instincts as an origin will quell the shakes, will deal with the things. And so they basically just turn it into a human robot hybrid thing That's
1: it's it, it, yeah they so they figured out a way to sap them of their uh consciousness mm-hmm. uh, and so they essentially become brain dead vegetables it's that live. are hooked up to feeding tubes and whatnot and they keep them in this chair and and uh, the people who maintain the node maintainer are basically there to bathe them and change their food bag and mm-hmm. you know whatever yeah and, you know, but they, they've still... got catheters that they have right. to change out and um but they're still alive
2: and they're still in an incredible amount of pain.
1: Right. And so they they sit there and just instinctively quell shakes all day and all night forever. Yeah. And that is their existence. And so we learn that some people from the Fulcrum end up doing this or you know this is their fate. Others have a different fate, but
0: uh these are I don't think that's a spoiler or anything further, but that's an <laughs> he's derail. wrestling with himself do you know the identity of the the one that was the, yes. yes so
1: we find out uh alabaster tells us at that node so it's in that chapter he says this is my child yes yeah. and i have had at least a dozen children i think he says something like that 10 or 12 children mm-hmm. and i i don't know where most of them are but i suspect that many of them have ended up like this and and we interestingly we before we get to the node the reason that they have to go there because they're on their way somewhere else and then they take a detour because um the node maintainer woke up Mm -hmm. this you know child or teenager whatever i i don't know how old this person is uh but they they woke up they regained consciousness somehow and in a fury uh went and tried to break the earth, you know, the way that, that Origins can do. And so he, uh, Alabaster felt that from a ways off, was able to stop that from happening, and went to the node to find out, you know, what was going on. So that's that's why we ended up there. So that's another indication. I mean, he he says as much like, that is my child, but, you know, by the end of the story, we know just what Alabaster's power level is. Mm-hmm. And so, the fact that they're using his children as node maintainers gives you an idea of the the power that they possess right as well so yeah um anyway okay so a lot of people pull this out like when i when i bring up on discord or or wherever that yeah we're going to talk about the fifth season a lot of times i get oh that node maintainer scene woof you know oh obviously it's horrific but why do you think people single this out pull this out so readily as the scene in the book
2: i think it at least as far as the way it hit me when i read it was it sort of it it revealed the sinister underbelly of this society and the fulcrum you know like you you think oh this is awful like this is a caste system and oh man i I don't like a lot of this but okay and then you find out like to Cyanite, who is with Alabaster at this point, she she thinks that being a node maintainer is basically just like a desk job. She thinks it's like boring and uh, why why do we have to go, you know, look, see this? That's not interesting to me. Um, and
1: he says something like, you have to see you, it at least a, once. A,
2: right, like every, every origin and training should have to see this at least once. And she's like, why so boring, you know? And so what you realize is that as part of like the way that this world is maintained or the way that this world functions, it requires this sort of torture of children, you know, and adults. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter the age it requires this, but that, that torture is kept hidden from everybody in the world. Like people don't, except for maybe the people who work at the nodes, um, taking care of the node maintainers. Like this is not common knowledge. And so you, at least for me, part of what was, so affecting about it was like everybody in the world depends on the torture of these children and adults strapped into these chairs suffering endlessly and they don't they don't even know it and it's just like baked into the system nobody's going to find out nobody wants to know because then it would have to it they'd have to, it, they'd have to change it. the way that they live or deal with the fact that they're not willing to change the way they live like it just it highlighted the ugliness in such a graphic way. And I think the, the fact that it was Alabaster's child also revealed something about his relationship with cyanide. Like they're, they're supposed to be breeding essentially. Right. And, and it, I mean, and the parallel child that, yeah, exactly. Like, and it will be. And that's, that's what I'm for. I'm, I'm maintain. I'm, I, I keep using the word maintain because it's so much on my mind, but like I'm, um, I'm kept by the fulcrum for this purpose in order to continue to create these children that they can use in this way. And the parallels to slavery are just like undeniable. And so there's that aspect too. I just think it works on so many levels, all of which are very disturbing.
1: So, yeah, boy, that's a touchy subject. <laughs> but I, I so I, I do want to talk about though be, about that though, because clearly this is a book in which, Jemison is trying to say something Mm -hmm. yeah and so what what is this that like is she trying to draw parallels to our day uh you know because you brought up the issue of slavery and in my mind i immediately go more to things like um like uh you know chinese sweatshops or something like that sure Um, i mean
2: yeah pick whichever one you want right right like any any um especially I would think it would come up a lot in terms of economics, whether it's Chinese sweatshops or slavery in the American South, like for a lot of times for economic reasons, we, we decide that a certain group of people are just going to like have to carry the weight and, and carry the suffering so that the rest of us can live decent lives as we see it. And so, I mean, you I think you could draw the parallel to more than just slavery, whether it's, you know, and if Chinese sweatshops is another example, then that works, too.
1: Right. I mean, that's a pretty common thing to that people uh, they know about, but end up turning away from. Sure, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. My iPhone's dope. Definitely. Uh, like,
2: let's go to H&M.
1: My
0: iPhone into my pocket here for a minute. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's true. Like and. And it, so so whether you're drawing parallels to present day or drawing parallels to like, you know, a system from a time past. Uh, from time past, like it still continues to be true that a lot of the luxuries that we have as human beings come at the expense of other human beings you know
1: i i think it's um that is and uh, it it's a contestable point up, up to a certain point, point? <laughs> <laughs> it's um i i don't think that um i you know i i don't think there's anybody you, i don't think you could Explain to anybody the economics of their iPhone and not have them kind of like uh, a little bit uncomfortable at what happens in the assembly sure, you yeah. know, plants or whatever. But uh, but anyway, then you get into other economic points about. um uh, I don't want to get into it. Honestly, I really don't want to get into it because it opens up a whole can of worms, and it's, that's not oh, really what the show is about. It is, is a about. can of worms. It really sure. is, and it it it's. But here's the thing. I guess here's what I come down to. It's an issue worth exploring. Mm-hmm. So we're not expert enough in economics or even, you know, history maybe on this show to really do a deep dive into oh no, but here's the real economics behind Chinese sweatshops. Like yeah, you know, we're not gonna be able to do that. But what we can do is say you know, we don't have the answers to all of this, but it's worth looking up. Go oh, yeah. learn about it. Go read a book.
0: Well, and from um, the perspective of the story itself. We're following Cyanite's perspective here. And I think part of the reason also that this section is so heavy and weighted is that it really is the point that shifts her away from her previous worldview. Which was what? Like coming from the fulcrum. Mm -hmm. And she's already, you know, at the beginning when she first meets Alabaster, it's I'm here to breed and everything. And she was raised by Shafa and she had been trained. And her whole time with Alabaster has been piece by piece, tearing away what she had been taught. This is the first time that the world's reality came in direct conflict with her fulcrum teachings enough that it made her shift. Yeah. Right. And so from the perspective of the journey that you're following, this is a major step. Um, And there's a, yes, there is a ton to explore in terms of real world implications and, and things like that. Uh, but even just just in story, just in the story itself, it is it is a major emotional turning point. She uses multiple tactics that, honestly, not super surprising to em- elicit the emotion that you want. The fact that it is Alabaster's child, the fact that they are basically vegetables attached to these things, like I have never ever seen a TV show or movie or anything. That has touched on this sort of idea or concept, you know, the precogs and minority report or anything like that, where they've looked at that and it's been like, yeah, that's gumballs and raindrops and roses for the right. for the person. What like, a great idea. Let's do is, that. You know, it's always there's always the conflict of, yeah, but as soon as you undo this, all society's gonna you know fall apart for a while type mm-hmm, thing. Mm-hmm. So I don't know.
2: Yeah. I think that's I, I'm glad that you spelled that out about the turning point for her because I think As I was reading, I was thinking about it more from my perspective and what I was realizing. But up until that point, Cyanite had been ambitious to like excel and achieve within the system. And after that point, that's when she begins to say like, do I want to be part of the system? Is this system like acceptable or can I like chip away at it in different? Yeah. So, yeah. Good point.
1: So as far as the node maintainers and and all that sort of thing is there other are there other angles we want to explore with this um or is there anything else that we want to get to in this uh, probably short episode
0: well i think in terms of the node maintainers i don't know that there's a lot more to explore i don't know there's a lot more to address with them right now um the question is is it going to be a returning plot point in the future because there are more nodes right
1: how could it not be especially with uh what what alabaster did at the beginning of the book slash the end of the book (laughs) yeah (laughs) um as far as the breaking of of the world and are the node maintainers going to be able to stop this or you know whatever i you know there is that i will say that getting to that point I, i think it was you ryan who said that um this is it's exposing the dark undertones of you know what this world is made of and and built on top of and all that stuff i and i agree i gotta say this is the section especially on my second read through where i realized just how pessimistic this book is it is relentlessly pessimistic Mm -hmm. Um, i don't know that there's a shred of optimism about like humanity in the world and the way things can work and all that stuff there's just there's none
0: of it yeah Yeah. what was his name it was at the very beginning of the book and we didn't care about him uh, oh the doctor <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's a good point <laughs> No, but you know what I mean like this yeah. is this is
1: uh, if if this tells us something about the way that she sees the, the real world then that is a very very pessimistic view of how the world works that's not to say it's not true um, but it is it's dark it is it super, is. super dark.
2: Well, and I think the the, the, the the biggest takeaway for me about the book, at least lately, as I've been kind of ruminating on it, has to do with the fact that this is literally, at least as it's being presented so far, this is literally an end of the world story. It's not an end of like society as we know it, but it's literally an end of the world. the planet. An end of the planet, a destruction of everything story that comes after so many smaller but still sizable um, destructions before it. Yeah. And so I think... You know, you, you said if if this is reflective of Jemison's actual viewpoint, that's that's really that's that's really sobering. I don't know that it is. You know, I don't know anything yeah. about her, really. I don't know that it is a reflection of her um, worldview, but I think it it wouldn't make sense for there to be any uh, hope for there to be like a hopeful tone when you're. Approaching literally the actual, the actual literal full end of the world. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's like I don't know that it, it's everybody in the story has been through a lot, and they come from generations and generations of people who have been through a lot. Like I wouldn't think that anybody would be um, optimistic at this point.
1: Right?
0: Okay. Well, well, fair think, enough. I think I think it's interesting. Anytime we get into the post-apocalyptic world stories or anything like that, but especially this one, the opportunity to put a lens on, and I do think that she is doing this on purpose, on modern day issues in the context when all of a sudden you get rid of certain levels of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Like Mm -hmm. these people, it's literally, you're back to base one and two. We're okay with doing these things when everything else is met but now that we're down on this base level we're, we're and we're still trying to do these things. Food
1: and shelter, food and shelter.
0: Yeah, when we're still trying to do these other things, like how much of a difference or how much of a, a change it makes to our moral compass and, and things like that. And to take for us to take a minute and say, okay, in my society, in my life right now, if I took away these things, would I still be okay with people doing X, Y, and Z? Or am I okay with the fact that I got here at this top of this pyramid on the backs of the fact that people did X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Like, that doesn't necessarily mean that, no, I'm not okay with it, go tear the whole thing down, but it is something to look back and say, okay, because I recognize this, I need to change things so that when we do it in the future, it's different. And mm-hmm. I think that that is a little bit of messaging that I have found in this series is that it is okay to look at to, and say, can we do things differently uh, going forward?
2: Mm, okay.
1: Right. I guess we'll find out. Is there anything else we want to bring up before we call it quits today,
0: Ryan? Did we talk very much about, and I'm so I should have looked this up before I opened my mouth. Um, <laughs> her friend, the boy, when she's small, or the no, it's the one with Essen. Oh, oh yeah, the the Stone Eater kid. Oh, okay, just want yeah, to yeah, like yeah. I don't I can't just start throwing out things about him <laughs> because I don't know what <laughs> what yeah. kind of kid it is. yes, the Stone Eater whose name is going to appear in my head in just a moment. <laughs> uh Hoa. Pressure's on. Hoa. Hoa. Hoa, yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah.
0: Did we talk do you guys remember talking much about Hoa and the Rock? Not, the a, ton Not no. a ton we did. Not a ton. Because I remember... There's just not a ton of information to go on
2: but you at this don't, point. It, it becomes more and more, clear, more and more clear that like, oh, he's very important, but we don't know the full right. shape of why yet.
0: Yeah. Well, we get that because at the
1: very... That sounds like a movie that's going to win a future Oscar. The full shape of why.
2: Ooh. Yeah.
0: Okay. Go on, Ryan. <laughs> um, at the very end of the book, we get Hoa talking, if I remember right. Correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the only times we break the perspectives of our mm-hmm. prior setups. And all of our interactions with him, You, the reason he came to mind is because you talked about positivity in this world. Yeah. And he seems to be this odd little bright spot. It's not that he's an optimist or anything, but it's his care for Esun and his taking his, everything that he does is for her and caring for her. And I, I love his character, even though there's not much there. And then you watch the interactions when she goes and the uh, back is mm, cyanite, And we have... Alabaster? What? Uh, the, oh, no. the obelisk? The, the obelisks. You know, it, it's, it's just starting to see, see his interaction and how he's connected to these different pieces. I don't think we've seen that yet. It's okay. I won't go any <laughs> further with that to Very avoid briefly, things. maybe. I yeah. don't know.
1: Wait, I, I missed the moon thing, so who knows? Maybe I missed a bunch of other stuff in book one. Who knows? Yeah.
0: But I mainly, like I said, I don't think there is a whole lot about the Stone Eaters. I don't think you're supposed to get a whole lot in this one. Right. Simply because we're so focused on this world and everything else. But Hoa is a character that, because he gets a point of view pers- uh, moment in this book, is someone you have to bookmark and say, I need to be aware of him.
1: Well, sure. I mean, yeah. how can you not be? He's the, uh, he, he's her. F- focus for most of the book right
2: and i think you're right that he while not being an optimist himself you know that's not necessarily the way i would describe him uh, describe him he is a a little
1: he kind of serves a a a function
2: comic relief in a way but just like in a in a very sweet way there's a there's a tenderness about hoa um and about the way etson feels towards him and and that does that that does give a little bit of relief at times from the relentless like the world is is coming to an end. Feel of the rest, of the book.
1: Uh, and it's when when I say pessimism, I'm not just talking about the world is coming to an end. I'm talking about the world sucks and it should come to an end. Right is kind of the well, attitude yeah. that you get from the book. Yeah, so.
2: definitely. Well, it's it's interesting to be reading this. I, I wonder what my experience of reading this book would be like if we weren't in a pandemic. <laughs> also, um, you know, because. Even though, in a way, it, it it feels more like the world is ending right now than it ever has for me before. Sure. So it's a very weird feeling, just in general. But I all, I keep thinking a lot about how many times, figuratively speaking, the world has ended for people of all backgrounds, all times, right? The world has ended, in a sense, many, many times. Um, and I think a lot of times we just in general as humans like we come up with stories to help us make sense of what is happening in the world and sometimes when it feels like the world is ending the story that you latch on to is the world deserves to end this is happening for a reason
0: this is a capital r reason with a capital
2: maybe? r <laughs> absolutely <laughs> let's capitalize all those letters let's, Well, as let's ryan, ryan likes it. to point
0: out Craig is a capitalist and i'm a quite very, the capitalist yeah. <laughs> yes
2: And you know, and sometimes that's just what you what you tell yourself in order to make it make sense. Yeah. And I wonder how much of that is true, and and to what extent that has been the story that this society has been telling itself for for centuries. You know, the well, Father Earth hates us, right? Father Earth is trying to get us. The world needs to end. Um, we we messed up big time, and and this is our this is our punishment for it. Like sometimes I, I think we see that happening now, even on this smaller scale. Um, so many people saying like, this is this is what we get for turning away from God, or this is what we get for um, the way we've treated the earth or whatever. Like yeah. we're humans. We, we come up with reasons for why what is happening is what was supposed to happen and what
1: was always going to happen. The, the age old question, why do bad things happen to good people? Right. Or, people
2: or people or are we <laughs> bad or are we bad and that's why bad things are happening
1: to right,
0: us? right right so put yourself in alabaster's shoes yeah i'm do good I, i'm good <laughs>
2: <laughs> i don't wanna Dude,
0: do, does this world should this world be destroyed mm.
1: well i think i kind of went over my answer on yeah with this on the last episode i do not
2: craig's not a tear it all down kind of guy no
1: i i do not hold with the revolutionary attitude uh in almost any case what about so. in
2: a case like this? Do you nah, feel like this nah, is a... Nope, <laughs> nope. No. Okay. Nope. Well, I just think... Because, I, I, I mean, we live together and we talk about like sure. the, the real world and stuff. And so I understand why you would be turned off by revolutionary attitudes um, in a lot of contexts that we're actually familiar with. But in this this world seems uniquely um, uniquely bad. And I just wonder if that changes the calculus for you. Is there a point at which the system whatever it is, is so awful that it's like, yeah, so, a, bit of, a bit of revolution is just what the well, doctor okay, ordered. But
1: it, all right. So let's leave behind all the parallels. Sure. Yeah. And, we okay. Just so talking about
2: just talking story.
1: about this story. We're not talking about revolution. We're talking about Extinction. That's true. The destruction of a planet and everything on it. Mm-hmm. No, I don't support that. No, he shouldn't <laughs> <Craig>. do that. <laughs> Call me a monster, if you will. Craig but I,
2: just doesn't get it. <laughs> do I,
1: you know, do I like the whole idea of the node maintainers and the fulcrum and its uh, stranglehold on on information and stories? and all? No, of course not. But um, let's, in this, in the idea of this world, the origins have such awesome power that If you just disbanded the fulcrum and turned loose origins all over the world, the chaos and death and destruction that would ensue would be catastrophic. Mm. And is it, in my mind, is it preferable to have some kind of incremental reform to make things better as time goes on? Yes. Mm. Absolutely.
0: It's... your team Iron Man in Civil War? Am I? I don't know. I don't remember. probably it's iron man
2: the moderate on that panel i've never seen it i don't i honestly
1: i could probably go back and listen to our civil war episode and i probably argued for cap for some reason because you know whatever because he's captain america right so how can that be bad i don't know (laughs) i don't remember civil war other than that i didn't particularly care for it so i don't know
0: um does that answer your question no it 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 was a joke that I think the audience got and then we ran with it too far. So we're good. No, not, not the Captain America. Oh.
1: The, the, your original question.
0: Yes. Yes. It was does. that a
1: joke? The original question?
0: <laughs> no, the original <laughs> question was not a okay, joke. Okay. All right. I didn't, go, I
1: didn't go on like a five minute tear <laughs> responding to a
0: joke. Okay. All right. No, so, did, no. I just wanted the, I wanted the response of at what point <laughs> is it better to burn it all down than it is to, and it, we're not there in this.
1: Right. And when I say incremental reform, a lot of people think that that means unbelievably painfully slow reform that's not necessarily the case right you can have pretty major reforms without destroying the entire planet Mm -hmm. right like you can you know anyway sarah do you want to respond
2: um i i no (laughs) well i i do but my response is mostly a lot of the the sounds i'm just barely making uh well uh, i don't know (laughs) i'm i'm not sure i mean
0: you can I, see his point
1: I of view. I can see it
2: and and I also the thing is like Well that's why I, I'm
1: able to reject it. Of course yeah, I can see it. Yeah. And therefore. But
2: I guess my my thinking is okay, incremental reform like even if it's like big increments, like that that sounds great. Like let's do that. But I also when I think about it, I'm like where would Alabama, what would his pathway be to that? Like I don't I can't think of anything. This is not this is this appears to be a world where First of all, people are so on the bottom two level of the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. There's nobody that's going to be like, yeah, like I'll join your club or I'll, I'll join the effort. I'll join the resistance. It's like, no, literally, I'm just trying to keep my house together and keep a- enough food so that my family doesn't starve. So like, how does he gather support? How like, who are his allies in this? Who Who's going to be an accomplice with him to like try to tank on the fulcrum? Like,
1: I don't know. So because of, your or his lack of imagination we should we should extinguish life on the planet i
2: did not say that craig okay i'm I'm still that's
1: why i'm just i'm just asking questions oh really
2: (laughs) oh really are you no i i'm just saying I, i that's that's not to say therefore i've thought about it for a few minutes and i've decided like blowing up the planet is a good idea i'm just saying it's all good and well to say, well, why don't you just go about it in a more moderate way or a more, uh, you know, cautious way or a more measured way? It's all good and fine to say that. But the truth is, when I think about it, I don't have any ideas. And I, I feel pretty reluctant, you know, to to approach this fictional character and tell him to do <laughs> things differently when his response would be, OK, how do you want me to do it? And I'd be like, well, I don't know. But I don't know at all. Like. Literally, they have been, he he himself is the product of generations of breeding and oppression and torture in order to exist as a person. And he knows that all of his children have met the same fate, and he knows that they will continue to for generations to come. And I can't say that, like, I'm not sympathetic to him. And, and he's he feels like he's the only one woke enough to understand that this is even happening. Oh, so she I went feel there. Like, she went there. So I feel I feel like it's it's hard for me to be especially critical of him because I'm like, yeah, this sounds like a really messed up situation. And it sounds like things are going to end anyway. So why not, like, save a few generations in the process? Like, I I can see that, but I can also see the idea of, like, could you do it a different way? I just don't know what the other way would be.
0: Yep. Well, that's all the time we're giving to this episode. (laughs) Now you know where pretty much all of us come down on extinction.
2: <laughs> extinction level events.
1: I'm anti-extinction. Extinction. Sarah's yeah, maybe kind of anti-extinction, depending on what my, you're you know. To deserve it. Yeah, you know, who's depending who's extincting. on what the
2: other options are.
1: <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway, no, it's uh, so much for this being a short episode. <laughs> it's over fifty minutes already. So, um, anyway, yeah, that's fine. Hopefully, it was an interesting discussion. At least Le- let us know what you think. Hit up uh, our Discord server. Like I said at the beginning of this episode, and um, there is an episode discussion channel there. So every time a new episode goes up, there is uh, lots of hearty discussion, and I'm sure that this episode will be emblematic of that.
0: If people would like, we can post some uh, YouTube links to ways to bring your blood pressure down and you know <laughs> breathing exercises and stuff like that. Maybe mm-hmm. a good uh, ASMR channel for you or something.
1: Ooh, we should start one of those. Uh, Ryan, you've been doing YouTube videos lately. You should make some ASMR stuff.
0: I don't think people want me to be talking softly in there
1: here. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's true for me. Uh, <laughs> all right, so thanks again, everybody, for listening. And once again, Patreon.com/slash/legendarium is where you can support the show. It, as I said earlier, it's been a very long and very weird year, uh, but I did the math before this episode, and if everybody who listens, or I should say this, for if every regular listener got on patreon and put in a buck per episode that's four bucks a month buck per episode that's not that much but if every regular listener of this show did this i could quit my job and put a lot more legendary content out there for you that is an actual fact that is a literal fact so (laughs) everybody go put a dollar
0: in the jar you're supposed to be encouraging people to donate i
1: hate you so much um no anyway patreon.com slash and we'd, we'd love to see you there we'd uh, very much appreciate the support so thank you everybody and i think next week will be another blue team episode i think it's a, another dresden cold something or i don't know cold days cold cut C- cold cuts
2: <laughs> dresden
1: files number 15 cold cuts uh the part two of that discussion is uh, is coming up I, I don't remember what the books are called i haven't read them so yeah see you then everybody